0: Welcome back to Poke the Bear, Episode 7, presented by BetUS. I'm host Evan Maronofsky, alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? I'm doing swell, Evan. How you doing? Doing very well. Uh, Spokesy on Twitter uh, Tuesday morning pointed out that we're always in podcasts together. We're always recording, and I think he's right. I mean, I, we, we spend all of our day on Zoom pretty much recording podcasts for, for you, the listeners.
1: Exactly. I mean, it just shows how dedicated we are that you know we're spending every waking moment of this off season that we don't know when it's going to end. Just uh, sending out this great content for you guys. So
0: it just continues. Just continues.
1: We have no idea. It's never. We it's to- never ending.
0: We were talking before we started recording what the content's going to be like in you know October, November. Uh, you know, when one thing we'll talk about in this podcast, in this episode is Gary Bettman's comments on when the season could resume, or when the season could start uh, the 2020-2021 season, which is wild to think that it's going to yeah. be 2021 next year. And that's, like, the season. Every year, I'm always like, oh, my God, you're 2018-19, 2019-20. Holy crap. Like, you know, that's crazy. That's so, like, in the future. And then it, it goes past. You are know, like, well, here it comes. Uh, so uh, the, no, the tentative date for the start of 2020-21 season is December 1st. Uh, camp is supposed to tentatively start November 17th, I believe, Yeah, which is like no camp. That's like 13 days. Yes. Um, it, it's not very long. Um, Bettman talked on Friday sort of about when the season might begin. And he obviously had caution saying that, it, you know, it easily could start later December, potentially January. What do you think they're going to end up doing?
1: Yeah. I mean, you listen to that press conference that Batman and and Bill Daly had, and a lot of it is what you'd expect from, you know, hearing from a commissioner giving all the stuff that's been going on where it's a lot of, you know, this is all speculation. Like that, that I think was the one, you know, keyword was speculation because I don't think anyone has any set in stone idea of what we're going to be looking, looking at, you know, just in a couple of months from a, a league perspective. But I think, uh, some of the takeaways you, you take from that conference, though, is, you know, I don't think December 1st is going to be a feasible date uh, when you look at, you know, the, the league's going to be pretty much turning a corner within the next week or so, depending on how long this cup final goes. And you've got, you know, the critical dates that are already set in stone, like the draft and the start of free agency. But I think when you look at starting everything back up again in, you know, November for training camp one, I don't know – I don't think you can, you're going to have a training camp. that's only going to be 13 days considering all these guys, it's going to be, it's the same boat where it's not these guys have free reign to, you know, work out on the ice and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you can't just go to any rink to, to, you know, get your conditioning up and get kind of started for this new season anyway. Um, And then, you know, for it to be December 1st, there's a whole bunch of different factors that go into it, but I just can't see the NHL starting at that point when it seems like there's still so much up in the air. You know, you don't know what, you know, testing will be available, you don't know um obviously with the borders, you don't know what's going to happen between the US and Canada, you know, are, you know, are they going to switch around, you know, the divisions to have, you know, only the Canadian teams you know, play one another or something like, like an all Canadian conference to the kind of, you know, <laughs> see, something like that. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but you know, you have to look at those kind of things in the situation and see what, uh, what's the most feasible thing to do because it just seems like everything's up in the air, but you know, if you go and look at a, a date, like maybe like January 1st, like you start with uh, uh winter classic, whatever that kind of looks like and kind of build off from there that seems more feasible than just going into the, the start of December when you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah. You, know, you know, the, the perfect scenario, right. Is there's a vaccine in like six weeks, but that's not going to happen. And it's not going to get everyone vaccinated by that point. So, and I think the NHL st- 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 you know, stuck in a tough spot because they're, you know, that league is much more gate driven than any other league. You know, the NBA and the NFL have TV deals and broadcasting deals and make things a whole lot easier for them to kind of weather this storm. NHL, if we're going to be staring at empty arenas through March, April, like (laughs) the NHL, I think would rather wait it out and get to a point where maybe like you miss the first month and a half, two months of the season with, you know, limited attendance and then gradually build up, you know, 25%, 50% 25%, 50% or something like that, because I can't see how some of these, you know, like look at a team like Arizona, right. Where they can't even pay off their friggin' arena. You think they're going to just go along with just playing in front of an empty bond for four months and not making a profit off of any of it. Like there's no way.
0: Well, that's the thing. And, and you know, you see the NFL right now, there's a few stadiums that have, you know, a, you know, a portion of the stadium full, maybe like 20, Fifteen percent or whatever it is. Obviously, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys had to have fans. You were you didn't expect them to show up with no fans. Um, by the way, it is pretty cool to see fans like back and cheering, even if whether or not it's safe, I don't know. Uh, we don't really know the repercussions, but it is cool to see on TV. Uh, but it's tough with the NHL because it's indoors, and I feel like people definitely look at being outdoors with a you know seventy thousand seat facility with like ten thousand people. Uh, rather than indoors when there's like 17,000 seats and there's like 4,000 people there indoors. I don't know how you make that work with concourses. I don't know how you do that with seats. I yes. don't, I mean, is there food? Are you selling drinks? Like, especially with the Jacobs with the concessions, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, with Delaware North, are, are you not going to sell concessions? Are you going to sell like pre-packaged? I don't know how how they do it. Now, luckily, we're not the ones who have to decide that, but... Um, it is a crazy prospect to think that we're going to be ready in December or December 1st. The other aspect of it is like we've been praising the NHL for, you know, they've done 33,000 tests in the bubble. There's been no positive cases and credit to them. Like that is an incredible achievement to do on such short notice in the middle of a pandemic, like all the power to them. But in a regular season, you're not, first of all, you're not going to get players to agree to be in, go back into a bubble. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Enough. Uh, and you're not you're not going to be in a bubble, so you're going to have positive tests. You know, like you're going to have players miss games. You're going to have games, kind of like the MLB, where you know they miss games because three guys have COVID. And like, are you okay with that? Is I think that's going to be a huge prospect for the league to sort of uh, undertake. You know, are you okay with having positive cases or potentially positive cases? Now this sort of goes back to, and this hasn't really been mentioned a lot, at least with the NHL, I don't think officially, but it wouldn't be the worst idea to have just divisions play each other, stay in your region. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're the, you know, if you're the, if you're the, if you're out East, play East teams, you know, if you're the Atlantic division, just play in the Atlantic division, the Metro plays the Metro, or even you could redraw the map, you know, where you don't have the Bruins going to Florida. Instead you have the Bruins playing the Rangers, the Islanders, the devils, Mm -hmm. you know, staying in your region Mm -hmm. might be a lot more smart. Um, and the other thing is that there's 82 games back-to-back. Back, I mean, you, you think back-to-backs are to bad right now. Imagine 82 games in, like, four months.
1: Yeah, yeah that, that's the, the other big takeaway, I think, is Gary Bettman, again, said that it's all, up to, you know, it's all speculation on when the season's going to be starting, but the kind of core, you know, things they want to take away from whatever this next new season's going to be is they still want 82 games, but they also, he stressed that they don't want to be playing into the summer again. And It makes sense for this upcoming year too, because NBC also has the rights to the twenty now twenty twenty one Summer Olympics. So you They're don't want to still get, calling yeah, it the twenty twenty yeah, Olympics, which, which really confuses hysterical. me every time I see that. I'm like, uh, it, it doesn't t- is the branding that expensive? Just switch switch the zero on the one, you're fine. But what's funny is though,
0: like when you think about it, when will time go back to normal? Like I don't know if you like, not to interrupt you, but like when I think of like t- 2019, twenty nineteen mm-hmm. twenty, it feels like it was. So long and you just kinda like it feels like it's so long ago. You forget when it was, like, was that last year? But oh, like the Stanley Cup final was, you know, two summers ago now. Yeah. And they're in the middle of the neck of, of the one after it mm-hmm. right now. And like I, I just don't know when like time's gonna go back to normal. Like the Olympics are gonna be the twenty twenty Olympics, but in twenty twenty one, it's just it's, it's so odd. Be completely what is ass this?
1: backwards. But yeah, I mean the NHL, you know, they can't be in a situation again like they were this year. This was a one-time crazy thing because, you know, Batman even said that you know, we're not looking at pushing, um, you know, an expanded playoff field again next year. As much as, you know, teams like Montreal were pumped that they got into the playoffs and got a little run out of it, you know, it's not what the NHL is looking to bring all these teams that probably weren't deserving of a playoff spot in just because, you know, the nature of playoff hockey too just should happen. So, you know, it would have been crazy if – Montreal and one of these teams ended up winning winning the cup would be cool, I guess, for Montreal fans. But the entire time you'd have people complaining about the fact that it, you know it was a tainted playoff run, or you know this this doesn't matter. This doesn't mean anything. If it, you know Dallas and Tampa Bay wins, I don't think you're going to have people saying quite the same thing because it's two you know teams that you know Dallas maybe was a little bit of an underdog, but still they were a, a good team going through They were top fourteen going into the West. So. um, but I think, you know, you look at just what the the league's looking at in terms of getting 82 games and having it wrapped up by the same, you know, June schedule, it just doesn't make any sense. I like, listen, man, I'm, a, I'm not a, a math major. I took uh, journalism in, in college because I couldn't do math. The numbers don't add up in terms of getting a full 82-game schedule. Unless, as you said, you want these guys playing uh, back-to-backs, like three back-to-backs a week. Which at that point, congratulations on like rolling out an AHL team. By the time you get to the playoffs, because everyone's going to be completely banged up.
0: You could do like the MLB and just have a game every night, and you can just yes. keep
1: playing and playing
0: and playing. And like you'll see AHL guys playing against you know like in the in the middle of the season because they want It's like a rest day for Patrice Bergeron. It'll be it'll be like the MLB. They'll just you know roll out guys. They'll have like three game sets against like the Maple Leafs, and they'll beat the hell out of each other. But I mean that's essentially what it would be. You have to you, you the NHL absolutely has to you know, understand that if they don't want to play into the summer, which I agree, I think summer hockey is weird as shit. I don't want that to yeah. keep happening. Um, but if they like the season wrapped up by June and they don't know if it's going to start December 1st, they think it's going to start in January, could start after, you're going to have to go to a 40-game schedule or 46 or whatever the number is. But go, cut the 82 games in half. Because if you're going to have a shortened training camp and you're going to have a shortened season or a shortened amount of time to complete a season, why keep the same amount of games, just do 46. Not every team will play every team, whatever. Fine. And again, senior regions. I don't know why that's like a, a horrible thing. I I'm sorry. I don't need to see the Bruins play the Minnesota wild. I don't need to see <laughs> that the Winnipeg jets play the Anaheim ducks. I, I don't, yeah. it, it's not on my list of things I need to do in 2021. There's a lot of other things I need to do uh, <laughs> next year, but I really like, who cares? You know, like just get us. I just want there to be hockey. I want there to be a season and I want it to be safe. As well. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, the safety of the players is most paramount, you know, and I think that's gonna be a legit thing. I also think Batman also mentioned rolling out a percentage of fans at each game as the season goes along, like if mm-hmm. the conditions get safer, you know, fifteen yeah. percent you know, starting at nobody, then fifteen, then twenty, then slowly getting to full capacity. Mm-hmm. Do you think that happens?
1: You know, I think that's probably the optimistic look at it. It it would make sense. It it all depends on just what the testing protocols and all these things are. Because, you know, if you told me back in May or June when maybe the NHL was first starting at, you know, bringing this league back, I was hopeful they were going to get this season done. But I also was like, there's no way they can test all these guys or anything like that. And they made it work. You look at the NFL right now and um, the amount of testing they're doing. Um, just the volume of it, plus the fact that these tests are getting a quicker and quicker turnaround. Like, I, I think they're working on tests that give you the results within the same day or just in a couple of hours. So, if by the time the NHL is starting things up again by the winter or, or January, if they want to wait that long, it becomes more feasible for you to at least, you know, curb some of these outbreaks before they happen. It's not like MLB where it's, you know, the testing was... You know, you weren't getting results for two days and the guys were in quarantine to know what, who was he was exposed to or anything like that. So I think, you know, added testing infrastructure would go a long way in terms of at least getting the season off the ground. Like, I think you're, you're on the money where it should be, you know, regional based. I don't know what the Bruins would do because I don't know if they're able to go up to Canada, but, you know, if you go down to, you know, as far down to like Carolina or something, you know, but then all the Metro, all like, you know, the New York city teams and, and stuff like that. You could make that work. So there's a couple of different ways they can go with it. And I think you could kind of the NHL's MO and, you know, Bettman said that they caught a little bit of flack when they were doing the planning process. Cause you know, they announced they wanted to come back. They were going to have two bubbles, but they didn't announce what the host cities were going to be for months. And everyone's like, all right, when are you going to say it, man? When are you going to say it? No, you're like, oh, just going to wait and end up working out great for them because if you committed to Vegas back in May and then all those outbreaks happened in Nevada, all of a sudden you got a shit on your hands. So they waited out, waited out, waited out, wait to see what the best scenario was. And it was a great decision to go up to Toronto and Edmonton. So I think you're going to see the same thing where they're going to be kind of evaluating, seeing how, you know, the testing infrastructure improves, um, seeing how the NFL does with all this. Because if the NFL, you know, knock on wood goes through without a major outbreak or something, that'd be a, a major success because be the NFL was going to be screwed.
0: Well, that's point the thing. Point. I mean, we always think it's going to be worse than it is. Uh, and and you know, the NFL has found a way. The NHL found a way. The MLB, after te- starting off terrible, slowly found a way. The answer seems to be testing. And I, I, have, I can tell you firsthand, you do more testing, you feel safer. You know, like yes. at UMass, you get tested twice a week. You know, yes. whether you're on campus, off campus, you're living on, in Amherst, you know, if you're a student enrolled, you have an on-campus class. You have to get tested twice a week. I have to go right after we finish this taping because <laughs> I need to get tested for the first time this week. Um, eight straight negative test baby. Let's go. There you go. Uh, but, but it it, it changes everything because you know the people you're seeing, the people you're doing stuff with are negative as well. And the, this, this we've been very fortunate. The situation's been very good in Amherst. Uh, but- it's a huge aspect of it. You know, uh, when you know that everyone's getting tested, everyone's negative, you can walk around with people, you know, people and, and hang out with them and do things with them uh, when they're negative. And, and it cha- I feel like it, and that's sort of what the leagues are going through now is you don't have to worry about getting too close to an opposing winger. Cause you know, that person mm-hmm. tested negative that day. So yeah. um it, it, it is a big thing. And I think testing is really kind of key for all four um, of the major sports, especially the NHL. One date that is set is uh, the buyout date uh, and the free agency. The free agency will commence at noon on October 9th. Tory Krug, a decision day. Um, and then uh, buyouts start September 25th. We have not discussed buyouts a lot. The Bruins, there's, we, we discussed this before. There's, about, there's two contracts you could potentially see them buying out. Who are they? And do you think they actually get bought out?
1: Yeah, I, I think the Bruins by the are... way Bruins
0: fans by the way, who are listening should pause it. Guess the two people who might get bought out. You'll probably get them right. And now restart it and let Connor are go he, and tell you what you already are know.
1: Are you going to go into the editing pot and add in, like, the, the Jeopardy music for, like, 30 seconds? Yeah, to, you guys get
0: 30 seconds to, to to take, you know, decide in two seconds who you probably think the Bruins could buy out.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only two realistic guys, right, would be uh, John Moore and Nick Ritchie. But it's not really, like, a slam dunk for either of them. You know, the Bruins don't have, a, like, a, a true... You know, albatross contract, right? Where you know guys are making you know four million dollars a year for three years. And you look at a you know like Carl Alzheimer with Montreal. You look at uh, Lundqvist. I think could very well get bought out his last year in New York. That's um, crazy, yeah. Justin applicator is a guy who I think you know was on on the hook for maybe like three and a half, four million for three years, and he's thirty six and washed up. So Detroit has the cap space anyway to do that, but. The Bruins don't really have a guy like that. If if David Backus was still on this team, you'd probably look at a a buyout because I think the the overall cap hit would be a lot less um a lot less, you know, impactful than it was in years past in terms of how much money would be retained and how much that money would be spread out. But um the interesting case is a guy like Richie who's, you know, under a certain age, so I think he'd only get about a third of his remaining salary. Um and it would be, I think, around, like, $666,000 uh, would be due to him. And they'd be split out over these two years. So um, if you, like, look at the, you know, there's, you know, Cap Friendly and uh, a few of those sites that do a great job of breaking all that down. You know, you put in Nick Ritchie's name, and the Bruins actually, like, save all of their money next year in terms of, you know, I think he's on the hook for, like, $1. $1.6, 1, 1. $1.4, $1. $1.6 million. Mm-hmm. The Bruins literally, if they bought him out, wouldn't have to pay any of that or wouldn't count on the cap. It'd still pay him three three hundred and thirty three thousand dollars, but in terms of a cap hit, it'd be off the books. Which, you know, one point six isn't you know not going to change your whole outlook on the off season, of course. But it still you know counts towards you know can go a long way in a flat cap like this, where you're trying to you know fit in one extra contract or trying to you know move another player just to facilitate a trade or or, you know, a depth signing that could be more use to you, uh, whether it be on the blue line or further down the lineup. So um, that'd be a case where if you were to buy him out again, you wouldn't have to pay him next year. And then the following season, the 2021, 20, 22 season, it would be a situation where you'd only, the cap hit would only be $333,000, which is nothing, right? Like that's, you don't even have to worry about that. The Bruins for have, you know, had about 3 million in dead money with, Dennis Seidenberg's buyout and Matt Bolesky's retained salary. So like 333,000 is chump change. So, you know, that really shouldn't factor too much into it. Now, do you buy out Nick Ritchie? Because there comes the issue, the optics. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the optics have an arm very good, right? I mean, he's still a a guy that, you know, is 24 years old. Uh, They thought, you know, they were going to get a guy who obviously the, the size factor and stuff like that plays into. It. But they thought they were going to get a, a guy who could, you know, scrap down low and score goals for them too. It wasn't like he was just like a a goon they were bringing in, right? So to kind of jump ship on him after, you know, less than you know, thirty games, you know, twenty five games combined between the regular season and postseason. I don't know if they want to do that. But plus, again, the optics of buying out a guy, even if it saves you one point, you know, one point six million this year. You still gave up Dan Heinen for him, right? I mean, it's, it's not like it, issue. Yeah, it's not like it was. You know, you gave up, you know, a few prospects or, or something like that. Where it's like, oh, we we added this guy for you know Dan Hynan, as you know, divisive. I think he maybe was to some Bruins fans. Still brought a lot of value. Like you probably missed him during this postseason. So again, you know, the, issue the, Heinen,
0: the issue with the Hynan, the issue with the trade you could have got more for Danton Heinen. I had no problem with them trading Heinen, but you could have got more. Yeah. And they didn't. And I just, it, it. you saw it. Now watch Nick Ritchie come back next year and score 30 goals and us all go. That would be know, fantastic. But, well, but it would be like the Milan Lucic 30 goals where like eight of them were empty netters or yes, something of
1: course. wild like
0: that. Um, but it, the, the Nick Ritchie stuff, you know, we go on and on about that. Uh, but again, the optics look terrible. That would yeah. look, you know, It's like you gave Heinen away for nothing. You know the Bruins have already got a lot of crap about trades like that, Sagan trade.
1: Yeah, just uh, bad. The Riley just, Smith
0: you know, deal, guys coming back that you're just never using.
1: Uh, so clearing up Cap's space to then sign Bolesky, who you then traded and you retained a whole bunch of his salary. So it's just bad asset management, you know.
0: It is, and that's why that this I think you're not going to see. And also, like if you, you're, if a lot of people are like, oh, trade Richie. To, who? What? What are you going to get for Nick Richie? Like. You get like like a fifth round pick. I mean, you're not getting,
1: it would be like part of a package, I guess. But even then it's, I'm sure something would probably value him. It's just, I don't think you're going to get a, if you're just going to do like a one for one trade or something like that, you know, you're not going to get a return, a crazy return.
0: Also, in in fairness to Nick Ritchie, you know, obviously he didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated to the Bruins. Not everyone had, not everyone get acclimated in two seconds. I respect that. He could come back next year. Whenever that next year happens. And as time goes on, develop chemistry with the fourth line or on Charlie Coyle's left side, and be formidable enough. Like mm-hmm. it's not like this is guys costing you a ton to be on your roster. Yeah. Obviously, you want the is, as much extra space as you can. You don't want dead space on there. But it's not like this guy's four million a year. You yeah. know, if if he if it's a project and he's up, you know, one point six million, one point four, whatever it is, fine. Fine, as long as he's not doing the dopey shit he did against the lightning, where he co- basically cost you the game in um, and some and basically pretty much flat out so um also that so the buyout it shouldn't be a big thing with the Bruins I don't think you're, you're not gonna see any big buyouts you're not gonna buy out to Rask. Yeah. Rask isn't getting bought out on september twenty fifth don't worry uh, i hope I hope that doesn't actually happen. In <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I, but, mean, I, I mean, the only other one would be Moore, right? And John Moore, I think, is a guy that, you know, he's done the contract for another three years at $2.75 million. Like, you gotta try to do something with that contract, because that's one where you look at the money, and it, it is hurting your your chances of, you know, doing everything you want to do during this offseason for a guy who... Even if, you know, Krug walks, I don't know if John Moore is your your solution there, you know, to put in as a a top four defenseman. The guy is going to get 18, 20 minutes a night. So I'd imagine the first priority would be seeing if you could get something in a trade for him because there's a bunch of, you know, teams that need bodies, like at least capable NHLers on their blue line. And the Bruins have a a glut of at least guys who could fill in a role like that. So, um, you know, I think John Moore, you know, they'd be looking at a trade first, but you look at the the buyout for it and you know you buy him out you pay him i think 805 you you buy him like eight, you buy him out for you know 3 years and then you're paying him another six like six total years you buy him out and the cap it drops down next year to 1.3 million and then it's 805,000 then 1.3 million again and then the last 3 years it's 805,000 so not awful but still that's close to a million each for next 6 years diverted to a guy who wasn't even like a, a starting defenseman this year for you. So that's when you look at like the term of it, and you know, yeah. You know, all right. Well, you know, if you can get a trade, that'd be the priority, but it just depends on what kind of the market is for them out there.
0: Look at us being accountants. Maybe look at you being an accountant, figuring yeah, out it all so
1: salary. Thank God, it's funny. Thank, thank God for cap friendly.
0: Oh so. God. Yes. Cap friendly and natural stat trick. God bless them. Um, so it's funny. I just pulled this up on my phone. Pierre Lebrun tweeted this uh, just this Tuesday morning. Uh, NHL having an internal conference call today to again discuss the Stanley Cup championship tour, which is the player's day with the cup uh, for after the season. Obviously, in these COVID times, things will be different. They've had a number of calls on this over the past several weeks. I didn't even think of that. Guys will not have their normal day with the cup. They will have to maybe do it via Zoom. Maybe they can just kind of have it around the house. They're going to have to disinfect the cup after every stop. You yeah. have to wipe that thing down. Like, it's, you know, like, you know, it's crazy to think. I, you never think of that stuff. But then, oh, my God, like, you know, if you're if this is your first time winning the cup, if you're, you know, any of the guys who, you know, this is your first go-around with it, you're, you're probably dreaming your whole life, like, bringing it back to your hometown, in, like Slovakia, and, and you know, uh, giving it to the locals and letting everyone touch it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I mean, no one's – you're not kissing that thing. Like, oh, yeah, if- of
1: course. And even, like, thankfully – Dallas and Tampa have both won cups before, but just imagine a team that has never won the cup or you know, let's say it's like Toronto hasn't won in forever. And some of the cool parts of it too is, especially, you know, in the first month or two after you win the cup, is that you that cup shows up at every single friggin' bar in the city. Like I remember oh, yeah. when the Bruins won, like they were Every like they were in Southie a couple of times. Like it was like it wasn't even like a big deal. By the end of it. it's like oh it's here again. Like shit. All right, well it's gonna be packed there. We'll go to the other bar because <laughs> we've already seen like eight times. But it's a cool part about it too is that it's just kind of you find it kind of everywhere within the city over the first month or so. And you know Dallas and it's not like Dallas and Tampa are exactly hockey hotbeds, so it's not like this period of mourning, but if it was like Toronto and like, you know, they can't celebrate <laughs> the cup, it, it would it would be the most Toronto thing ever. But like for them, that would straight up suck. if, if It was a situation oh, bad. But, so it, it would be, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do because yeah, it's not going to be the full uh, the the full pomp and circumstance you usually see from you know, a team winning the cup in terms of all the tradition and the, the revelry. I don't think you're going to see someone at Foxwoods racking up uh, a whole bunch of bills like the Bruins did back in 2011.
0: Yeah, so speaking of betting on when the future comes, when we get, you know, when we can have these Stanley Cup final parades, uh, Connor, why don't you tell listeners about BetUS?
1: Listen up, sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football, basketball, and baseball are all back, and that means it's time to get down your bets. I only endorse one sports book, and that is BetUS.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting for more than 25 years in the business. If you need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity, you need to know that you're going to get paid. If you need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. No one in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com right now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the, how did you hear about us box type in Boston sports journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. No one beats that. I bet at bet us. And so should you. So join bet us today. And don't forget type in Boston sports journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's bet us.com.
0: go there now. Uh, so before we wrap this up, uh, the NHL awards were Monday night uh, and Nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, Kale McCarr one Calder. I was totally in on that. Obviously, oh shocking, shocking. I no bias there at all. Um, but the Vesna, obviously, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, we both. You know, you've said it multiple times. I kind of forgot when when the Vesna first got announced, or when the season first ended. I kind of forgot. Uh, about all the, the goodness uh, uh, that the Jets don't have on defense.
1: Mm. And I was like,
0: oh, Tuka Rask, top of the stats for most of you know advanced and uh, and regular stats? Oh, give it to him. And then you kind of look at it and go, wait a second. Connor Hellbuck actually really deserves that award. Yeah, so very, very rightfully so won it. I'm mm-hmm. glad the rest of the league saw that because um, I was kind of scared there for a little bit that people were just going to go off stats. Uh, but uh, I think Rask got – was it 10 first-place votes? Yeah, it was, actually, it, it, was, it was
1: actually closer than I thought it was going to be. Um, cause I, I mean, Paul connell had a friggin' NHL defense around him. So, I mean, that guy was hung up to dry multiple times. So, he was definitely deserving of that. But I think it was closer than I expected. You know, it wasn't like a, a runaway. Like He saw a few of these other votes.
0: Yeah, so Rask got 10 first-place votes, and then he came in second because he had 15. Uh, mm-hmm. Charlie McAvoy got some votes uh, in fourth and fifth place for the Norris. Mm-hmm. Uh, very small amount, but still, I think he came in tenth overall. So that's something. I mean, you put him top ten defenseman in the NHL, maybe, Ooh, maybe. Yeah. Then, and
1: then you, then you yeah. saw like people giving like Tony D'Angelo like top five votes, and it's like, dude, dude scores a lot of points, but like, holy shit, he's not a the 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 best way to sum Tony D'Angelo is that last game the Rangers played where he got completely undressed by uh, oh, I think Sebastian yeah. Ajo. I mean, that's. He's a good offensive player, but dude, he's not—he's not the complete guy you want winning a Norris Trophy. But, but oh, I mean, yeah. as as a whole, the voting was weren't too many. You know, you could go either way with Kill McCarr or Quinn Hughes, and both of them are fantastic. Like I, oh, I yeah. had Hughes just because I think Hughes plays a little you bit more. That's, okay. yeah, that's that's the main reason, of course. I don't want to say it. I was hoping for you to give me the retort, but uh, just because I think Hughes plays a little bit less—not sheltered minutes, but. You know, Kale McCarr is deployed mostly offensively, which makes sense. I mean, you know why, but um, I mean, you go either order there. Both of them are fantastic. Um, the the hot trophy, I I thought I if I had a vote, I would have gone with Artemi Panarin, but I would have as well. Yeah, uh, just his five on five numbers were bananas for a team like that. It wasn't like he was even like playing with Zabanajad and like these big guns. Like he was. Was like Strom and a few of these other guys. Other I'd guys say it was, was
0: Strom down the middle.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, he talked about like a, a free agent signing actually working out. You can't go on with Go figure. I didn't know yeah, those happened. Crazy. Yeah, well, The
0: other thing was Bruins actually did well in the first and second team All-Stars. First team All-Star was David Pasternak. I think as expected, I think we that was not a surprise yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Um, and then Rask and Marshawn were on the second team. Uh, yeah. So. Rask, I, I expected. Marshawn, I was a little bit surprised. I agreed. But I kind of mm-hmm. forgot uh, mm-hmm. just how good he was this year, statistically, uh, among the rest of the league. And yeah. he was good enough to get on the second team. So uh, all well-deserved. No surprises. I didn't see anybody. I was like, what the hell? Like, that's, that's bull. Uh, it, was, it was very expected. It was very good.
1: Um, weird except for, guy, except for the guy who gave uh, Jari, the Penguins goalie, like a, a top five vote for the hat. And I was like, dude, what the... Oh, fuck I, I didn't would... even
0: see that. Are you yeah. serious?
1: And I was like, dude, come on. Ugh, that's the stuff that's like, some, some, some of those things like, that... Votes. It's like someone voted for, when I was looking at the Selkie vote, someone gave Machian a first place for the Selkie. I was like, dude, yeah. he wasn't like... It's not even like a, a thing where, you know, you shouldn't go into that voting going with the narrative, right? But there's a, a set group that you know is going to be in the top five, right? Where it's going to be Bergeron, Couturier, Sorelli had a big jump this year. So he was everyone, people were talking about him, Max Stone. Like, Machin's a, a great two-way player. But, like, to make him first place, it's like, uh, well, there's also, like, people give, like, Nolachari a third-place vote, which, like
0: – Nolachari you know, got one.
1: Shout-out to Nolichari. I mean, he's having a great little time down in Florida. But, come on, guys, what do we – What are we doing here?
0: It's got to be for attention. I know that sounds like really pessimistic, but it's got to be for some attention. Like, oh, I voted for Brad Marstron in the first place. Look at me. I stand – it's like the guy who shows up to school in high school with like a droid or like (laughs) not an iPhone, just wants to be different. Like I remember I had that face face freshman year. Yes. Like I had that face freshman year of high school where like I wanted to get a Samsung Galaxy. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be the kid who has the galaxy. And I didn't, thank God, because my friends were like, we're not going to text you if, if it pops up green. There's nothing more annoying than green texts. Yes. Uh, but that's kind of the way it is, getting that attention. I'd like to think someday if I ever get the chance to have a vote, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to vote for, for, for how I – I tell you what I see. That's what I, that's yeah.
1: what I do. That's the thing. is like that would be their argument. It's like, oh, I'm telling you what I see. It's like, all right, well, you've got a shitty <laughs> – you have a shitty case of things. need some
0: contacts there, Yeah, God. yeah, exactly. Uh, but at any rate, uh, that has been uh, Episode 7 of Poke the Bear. Uh, Connor, is there anything you would like to uh, tell the the listeners that you are working on right now?
1: Yeah, we are uh, still breaking down some of the the next wave of Bruins players that we think can impact this team in 2020-21, maybe just the 2021 season at this point. It might just stop there and end there. Um, so we'll be looking at Jackson Nico. I think we'll have a story out uh you know today and we'll be looking at a few other of these younger players that can impact the team for as much as the uh you know we, we're going to focus this offseason on trades and free agents you know they still have a couple of these younger players that can make a pretty big impact next year if all goes well so take a deep dive at that and again we'll have plenty of stuff pretty much every single day on the site of boston sports com. so subscribe there you can follow me on twitter at connor ryan underscore 93
0: do all that and uh, for Connor Ryan, I'm Evan Marunowski. Have a great rest of your day.